this has been our issue the whole time with Secretary Jerome Powell is that he says that they want to be data dependent. Meanwhile, we've seen this bell curve of interest rate hikes and decreases, right? The 25, 50, 75, 75, 75 going up the bell curve and then now coming back down. Looks like it's pretty steady. And his explanation for the pause and then another 25 is just the natural progression of the bell curve. That it sounds, sounds like you had your mind made up. It sounds predetermined. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Higher Standard Podcast, where we give you ultra-premium, unfiltered truth when it comes to building your wealth and curating the lifestyle of your dreams. No games, no drama, and no shenanigans. I am your host, Chris Nahibi, and I'm here to help you distill the immense amount of information and disinformation out there on the interwebs and give you the opportunity to choose a higher standard for yourself. There are no gurus here, and no one gives a damn about how wealthy you look. I'm an attorney and a banker, amongst other things. Does that mean you should listen to me? Hell no. This is just full disclosure that while we talk about money, wealth, law, investing, and a lot of related topics, you should always speak to your own advisors for an opinion tailored to your unique investment perspective. I am obligated to tell you that nothing contained in this show is in fact legal or investment advice and is being provided solely for entertainment purposes. So sit back, Relax your mind and get ready for a different kind of podcast where we elevate your baseline in crispy, high-resolution audio. This isn't a different standard. It's the higher standard. And we're back. Mm. Look at you. I am. Look, look at me looking at you. All ready to go. I am ready to go. And you guys can't see my belly fat for once, so I feel pretty good about it. You still see mine, though. Yes, you can. Welcome back to The Higher Standard, everyone. This is the number one financial literacy podcast in the world. Welcome back to the show, everybody. That is the one and only Saeed Omar. He's my partner in crime, my partner mm. in time. Bang, bang. There you go. We just uh, do the really, yeah, awkward. really manly, awkward slash. This bump. Yeah. Slash, slash slap. slap. It's very awkward. We got to work on our hand gestures. Yeah. Do we have like a team thing? We need to have like a team handshake. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, okay. Well, we'll get there eventually. Yeah. I feel like you got to be like number five in financial literacy and <laughs> like in, in business to get the official team handshake. Got it. We'll get there. We'll get there. Well, this show, I was prepared to say, welcome back, Arun. It's been amazing. You've been gone. And, and we really <laughs> value you. People are really going to start to believe we fired this guy. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, uh, he now has a 101 fever. Uh-huh. Was convinced he did not have COVID, which, again, questionable. Questionable. So behind the ones and twos is my brother, Arya. We taught him how to unmute himself and say hello. Let's see if he can do it. Arya, say hello. What's up? What's up, y'all? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did it. All right, put, put yourself back on mute. Uh, you do not have to change the camera's angle so fast, by the way. You're over here lightning quick. We can actually see you changing. Keep it on this one in the middle for as long as you can. Otherwise, you can go to stuff like this one whenever we're doing solo stuff. Yeah. And if you're listening, there's probably going to be a lot of that in the show up there today. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, it has been an interesting week of fallout from all the data that we read to you on the last show. It has. And as a result of all this fallout, what we have seen is a bunch of people arguing their position as it relates to the Fed the overall economy, the real estate market, mm -hmm. and what they think this may all mean for the future. Again, all of this is pontification. It's all speculation. Nobody really knows for sure. Right. But to kick it off, we are going to talk about Goldman Sachs and the 10 cities where home price growth is regressing the most. This flies in the face of a lot of stuff you're going to see on social media. We're going to pivot to an article by CNBC where the Nobel Prize economist says there's no need for the Fed to keep increasing interest rates. Mm. We're going to talk about another similar perspective. Sounds familiar. And then we got a couple mis miscellaneous things to round out the back end of the show. Yeah. The beefy side, if the, you will. The side that you want to stay tuned in for. Because that's where all the meat is. Oh, and oh, we have two reviews we need to get into. We do have two reviews we need to get into. One of which is your standard run-of-the-mill Vanilla Flare amazing five-star review. Clearly a repeat and consistent listener. Right. We appreciate greatly. Greatly. The other one is unfortunately a three-star review. And 
While my first knee-jerk reaction was to be a little bothered, <laughs> I think um, yeah. I, I think what we have is a combination of somebody who probably hasn't listened to the show as frequently and is probably a newer listener. Mm-hmm. But okay. also, also, there's some good points to address, so I don't want to discredit this individual. I think there's some things we should talk about when that time comes. Yes. Well, stay tuned in for the end of the show. And it, which also means that if you're not happy with either of these reviews, I was waiting for it. You should, uh, that, that was, yeah, I'm looking at you going like, really, bro? We're not going to do it. You got to you got to go and leave us an honest five star review, whether that's on Apple or on Spotify. Also, check us out on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that like button. Hit that notification bell button. All of it. And not to be confused with an honest three star review. OK, <laughs> that's not honest. It's not what we're asking her for I mean, here, kids. Yeah, OK, I mean, we're, you know. Yeah, we'll get into it. The honest five-star review. And if it's not a five-star review, it may not be honest. Right. Also foreshadowing. (laughs) All right, let's jump into the first article. Goldman Sachs, 10 cities where home price growth is regressing most. This straight from the article, home price prices rose more than expected in April, up 0.53%. Month over month per the Case-Shiller Index. Goldman Sachs expects price growth growth to I keep saying gross. Growth <laughs> Goldman Sachs expects price growth to decline for the rest of the year. Seattle and Las Vegas are among the 10 cities seeing the most regression year over year, but mm-hmm. there's a list of 10 year over year house price appreciation, the top negative 10, I mean the top 10 that have actually regressed. Right. Starting off with number 1, Washington DC, negative 0.5% home price appreciation. I mean, okay. Not, yeah. not enough there to really spike my interest. Okay. How about number two? Dallas, negative 2.9% home price regression. Now we're talking. Now we're getting beefy for now you. We're getting a little beefy. Now you like, that's the meat of the, the conversation. Hey, for that's you. the right. carnivore diet. Then you're going to like the rest of it. The number, the number one on this list or the, the top regressing city kind of surprised me. Really? Yeah, it was not, I, I thought the nine and 10 would be switched. We'll get yeah, there. absolutely. Number three in the list, Los Angeles with negative 3.2% home price regression. Mm-hmm. Number four, Denver, negative 4.5%. Number five, Portland at negative 5.2%. Mm-hmm. San Diego coming in at number six at negative 5.6%. Phoenix at negative 6.1%. Las Vegas at negative 6.6%. And first runner up, <laughs> San Francisco at negative 11.1%. I thought that was going to be the top city. And to my surprise, coming in at number one, your sexiest finalist, Seattle at negative 12.4% home price regression year over year. I think the listeners of the show are happy about that because we know we got a lot of love out in Seattle. We do have a lot of love out in Seattle. It really depends on what industry you're in. At the same time today, I saw a number of realtors who were again back out there saying that all these things are positive trending for the real estate economy. Mm-hmm. What I can tell you is I can't, and I'm pretty sure Saeed is intelligent and as skilled as he is, can't tell you what's going to happen next. No, I, but, we can't. But I think that over the span of the next six to nine months is where you're going to see this really take a turn. Yeah, I, I do think that one of the articles we're going to talk about a little later on has to do with how much savings the consumer has. Yes. And what that could possibly mean for what comes next. And it specifically relates to this. But before we get there, this might be a great place to pause mm-hmm. and say, Aria, take your mic off mute. You there, buddy? Yep. What's up? What's up? How you doing? Give us a little background about what you do on a day-to-day. Yeah. What are you doing every day, brother? I'm in uh, wholesale real estate. So what does that mean? What does that mean for someone that doesn't know what that, what that means? So basically what we do is we lock up distressed homes at a big discount and we and they're fixers, right? So we get fixers at a huge discount and then we resell them for a little bit of a marked up price to uh, fix and flip investors. Got it. Okay. So today you, you were describing an interesting experience about a particular property in Rancho Cucamonga, was it? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I'm seeing it across the MLS. I mean, inventory is so low. It's just crazy because you know, there was this property in Ranch Cucamonga listed for, I'm just going to give an example so that way people don't pinpoint the specific property, but let's just say 530. And, uh, you know, there was multiple offers above ask and, you know, the highest offer ended up being over $110,000 above the list price, which is 
absolutely insane, you mm-hmm. know. So it's been it's been difficult just for you know typical home buyers to to buy homes. It's just been so competitive. Clearly to, an in, clearly an investor though, mm-hmm. right? Not mm-hmm. some not someone looking to buy this and have it be like their first home, right? Yes, not I a mean, first time home buyer, right? And I don't have the chart or the information to back this up, but would you say that investors in this space has have taken a step back uh, as of recently? I mean, at the end of the day, some of these investors do it full time, so it's hard for them to take a step back. Mm. But it's been really eating into their their margins. It's been a lot more difficult to you know make. I can only on investment. I can only imagine though because of the instability of what's going on in the market and where this all could be going, given you know the year over year house price declines that we just noted. Mm. Investors are really going to start to pull back. And that's a, a chunk of the market now that's coming coming back, because we really the lack of supply is what's keeping inventory, you know, or in, keep, keeping maybe, these prices where they are. So, and that well, the reason why I want to already tell the story now is that this is going to be really interesting to talk about with both of you when we get to the one of the later articles in the show today, because I want to talk about where the consumer is, where the investor who is a consumer in most cases, like that Ari is dealing with here, yeah. Uh, where they're at Mm -hmm. and what may or may not be propping up home values as a result of this conversation and the data that I'm going to give you there. Right. So let's, let's go on to the next article. The next article, Aria, scroll down in the show notes on the right here. This is from CNBC. Nobel prize winning economist says there's no need for the fed to keep hiking interest rates. Mm -hmm. Now I liked this article for a number of reasons, not the least of which is this is not just an economist. This is a Nobel Prize winning economist. Right. This is one of Saeed's peers as a laureate. <laughs> Future peers. I mean, not yet. I mean, you guys are like tight, right? We're, we're, we're close. It's right there. I mean. I mean, homies, you guys are. I can't let you know if we have a handshake or not. Okay. I, I get what you're putting out. You know what I'm saying? So I, I feel what you're saying. You feel it? I'm taking it in. You're taking it in. And I'm digesting it. Got it. Okay. okay. It takes time for these to have their full effect. Speaking of the interest rate hikes. Mm-hmm. So given that inflation is moving to the into the right direction, that interest rates are high, I would just wait and see what happens next. A wait and see approach. Pizarades is his name. A professor uh, at the London School of Economics told CNBC's Street Signs Europe on Thursday. Something tells me he doesn't sound anything like Norio Orbini. <laughs> In accent, anyway. Unfortunately for him. Yeah. I don't expect anything to happen to make them want to increase interest rates more, but I would definitely wait this time, he added. Mm. Isaradis, I like saying his name. It sounds very Greek. Was jointly awarded the Nobel Memorial Prize in Economic Sciences in 2010 for his work on the economics of unemployment. So, I would say his Nobel Prize is actually exactly in the set of circumstances. This is a man who got a Nobel Prize for his work on the economics of unemployment, which is the Fed's preferred metric. Right. Exactly what they're targeting right now. There is no better person to tell the Fed, Mm -hmm. hey, man, let's just wait and see a little bit longer because all the numbers are moving in the right direction. And if that man who specializes in things like unemployment is telling you to wait. Right. You gotta give some deference this, to what he's saying, and this comes at a time, as the article mentions, and we've mentioned in the past, that the CME Fed Funds Watch Tool, the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, mm-hmm. currently has a twenty-five basis point uh, rate increase marked in at ninety-two percent. Yeah, uh, Bloomberg's World Interest Rate Probability is just as on. That's because the, the Fed has said they were going to do that, right? And this meeting, for those of you who don't remember, the twenty fifth and twenty sixth of this month, July. Mm-hmm. Today is the sixteenth. So next week, sixteenth of July or seventeenth. This episode will come out Friday. It'll 17th. be the upcoming week after that. So it's seventeenth. It's the seventeenth. Wow, I got my days on. Mother in law's birthday tomorrow. Oh, happy birthday, mother in law! Yeah, she's a sweetheart. Yes. Yeah. I mean, she's the best. The best. You, you know her. I know her. Yeah. yeah. Don't, don't look at me like I'm doing it from a place like I don't know. That's messed up, bro. Yeah. <laughs> in, in any event. So I think this article is very telling, right? You got a Nobel Prize winning economist who specializes in unemployment who said, hey, look, wait and see. And if this harkens back to 
one of the very, very, very core concepts that we've we've been re talking about over and over and over again on the show, right? And that's the Fed really needs to look hard at Milton Friedman's monetarism, right? You need to look at the results and the data before mm-hmm. making a decision. It doesn't matter what you want, the intentions that you have. This is and this has been our issue the whole time with Secretary Jerome Powell. Is that he, the FOMC, which Jerome Powell represents? Be right, fair, be right? Nice. Okay, but so sassy. Very, very contradictory, right? Very contradictory. He says that very confusing language. Very confusing. He says that they want to be data dependent. Says all the right things. Says all the right things, right? Yeah. They want to. They want to currently implement a watch, a wait and see approach. But it's a foregone conclusion in his statements that twenty-five basis points and possibly another may be required. Meanwhile, we've seen this bell curve of interest rate hikes. And decreases, right? Or lowering amounts of the increase, yeah. right? The 25, 50, 75, 75, 75, going up the bell curve, and then now coming back down. Looks like it's pretty steady. And his explanation for the pause and then another 25 is just the natural progression of the bell curve. Mm-hmm. That doesn't sound like a wait and see or data dependent. That it sounds, sounds like you had your mind made up. It sounds predetermined. Yeah. Right. That and that's what that's what bothers me about it. So Nobel Prize winning economist uh, Christopher Pisarades. Pisarides. Pisarides. It's Greek, right? I'm pretty sure it's Greek. Pisarides. 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 I feel like you could make that a little more cultural. Why? Pisarides. You don't know that. You don't know that. Don't assume that. You think his name is Pisarides? You just go to Pisarides? Yeah. Going on. Pis- I'm Christopher Pisarides. <laughs> Homies call me Piss. That actually wouldn't be a terrible name. Wouldn't it be I bad? Mean, it would be. <laughs> It'd be better than my last name, Najib Najib. Whatever. Why, why does everyone always call you Najibi? There's clearly a GH Najibi. I don't even say the G. Should we, for the record, clarify for anyone listening? I say Najibi. I don't, I don't really know. You don't know how to pronounce Dude, your last name? My dad's all ethnic with it. My mom's like. What do you mean all white? ethnic with what, What's the right way to say it? My dad says Najibi. Say it again. See, look, let's see what he looked right so now. I've never heard That's you say problem. that. I've never... That's the way my dad says it. Say it again. All right. Say your, say your last name Najibi. Oh, Naribi. I got that. Yeah, see, most people don't feel comfortable. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta slow it down though. That's like white people in R's in Spanish. I can't do that. (laughs) Yeah, see, there you go. Yeah, we got to. That's that's our show now. (laughs) This is what we're doing. This is financial literacy, people. I swear. (laughs) Well, the other thing I wanted to point out before we move on is that this next meeting, the twenty sixth and twenty fifth, twenty sixth of this month. It's supposed to be an open meeting, according to Jerome Powell. He, he's supposed to be live. Supposed to be live for the people. <laughs> <laughs> and you know the the like the locker room conversation is gonna be like, all right, we're going out here. This is the game plan. Mm-hmm. We all have to sound concerned, and you know it's twenty five basis points. Unanimous. I don't give a damn what Christopher Pizzarades says. <laughs> right. Like if it's not unanimous, then. I need, I need some answers. I'm talking to you, Waller. Yeah, right. That's, that's, yeah. that's what he's doing. That's who he's yeah. talking to, exactly. So you know there's, there's going to be some interesting, cheeky shenanigans going on at this next meeting. But mm-hmm. there's a lot of opinions. Let's go on to the next article on, on from Fortune that, that Arya's picked up here. On the left side, Arya, go to the next article tab. There you go. Jeremy Siegel. Mm. One of the most well-respected economists in the world. I might be overstating a little bit, but he's very well-known, and he's got some good opinions. He does? Yeah. This from Fortune, Jeremy Siegel says, we are in a, quote, Goldilocks economy, end quote. And I thought, well, that sounds sexy. Let's figure out what the hell that means. Right. And the Fed doesn't need to raise interest rates anymore. Oh, common theme. Mm-hmm. Shocker. I am stunned. Look, okay, whether they don't need to raise it anymore remains to be seen. All, all we're saying is let's just wait and see. I would feel most comfortable with a wait and see for the end of the year. Give it several months. You've already acknowledged that shelter housing is going to come down. We know that's going to come down because it gets reported based on executed contracts that get reported you know, throughout the year. So it takes time for these things to come in. As more multifamily apartment units come online, as more houses are sold at lower values, these things take time to get reported. So that number will ultimately come down. We know that their primary target for inflation is the services industry. I'm going to be honest with you about something. Tell me. Okay. I'm setting you up. You set me up. I'm setting you up with all of this data in a, in a structured way. Okay. You and Aria. To see if you guys still feel the same way at the end of the show. Oh. 
Ooh. I'm not saying Why that I don't. That do... sounds like the villain, a villain move. It does sound evil, but it's not evil. It's constructive. Okay. I'm trying to play devil's advocate, mm. right? And since I am at times the devil, I'm advocating for myself. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Not too hot, not too cold. That's how Wharton professor Jeremy Siegel sees the economy after June's cooler than expected inflation data. Mm. I'll pause here and say, I know it had a 3% number handle. Mm -hmm. You know, the actual number was 2.97%. No, it didn't. Yeah. Oh, so it actually had a two handle. It really did have a two handle. They rounded up. Wow. Yeah. Why would they do that? It would, it would just be that much more, you know. I think that's I, the standard protocol. I didn't put this, I didn't put this in, uh, in the notes, but. The University of Michigan's Consumer Sentiment Report that came out mm -hmm. spiked to its all like a high, you know, a high since the last year and a half or so. So consumer sentiment's back up again, thinking that oh, we've tamed this thing; it's over with now. But I got numbers to prove you to show you that you know it's here to stay. Inflation or no, the Fed funds rate. So don't get too excited. Oh yeah, Fed funds rate's not getting cut anytime soon. No, no, no. And I got numbers we'll, we'll dive into. This whole ideology we've tamed it. We're gonna start cutting rates. No, 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 no. no, no, no. Unfortunately, at the same time, I mean, jinx. <laughs> my son just learned that. Yeah, did, really? Uh, oh yeah, he's come home. He's doing it all the time. He's asking me questions that he knows the answers to, and he'll say it and he'll say jinx, and he'll run out the room. <laughs> like, come oh, on, well, what kind of games are we playing? That's very mean. It's <laughs> <laughs> very evil. Continuing on from the one and only Jeremy Siegel, the Desert Eagle. It's a Goldilocks economy: strong economic growth and falling inflation. The veteran market watcher told CNBC Friday, seemingly a much better interview than our, fran our friend Pissarades gave, That's right. arguing that the Federal Reserve's aggressive interest rate hikes since March of 2022 appear to be working their magic to tame inflation. Mm. But the Wharton professor said if he were the Fed chair, he wouldn't raise interest rates anymore, arguing that inflation has been defeated. And the tactic is merely an attack on wages, which are stuck in catch-up mode. Mm. Interesting way of describing it, but okay. Okay. After years of falling, real wage growth during the pandemic. He finishes off with saying, I don't see any reappearance of inflationary trends. I see the stability. He said, oil has got its footing. Commodity indexes have sort of stabilized. The housing market has stabilized i don't see any big inflationary uptick all right wow mr desert eagle so here's an interesting here's an interesting opinion he like uh pisarides mm -hmm. rides uh believes that fed increases at this point are probably not necessary okay but jeremy siegel in his extra statements here seems to make some statements that you may or may not agree with. I don't agree with all of it. Oil has got its footing. Man, I don't think so. No. Commodity indices have sort of stabilized, I would say. No, they haven't. I don't think housing has come down enough. The market has stabilized. Where has it? I mean, it's really been in, in some markets it impacted at all. No. So median sales price for homes we reported last week, I believe, came in at 396000 That's a decline of 3.1% year over year. Now, those are national uh, averages, right? I believe they grew in the Northeast and the Midwest, but fell in the South and the West. So, but they grew at a price point of around $300,000. So still clearly an affordability issue, right? So I don't see, I see there's still a lot of room there for, the, for that to come down. Well then, I'm glad you think that. Yeah. Because next I'm going to talk to you about an article talking about Americans being better off now than they were before. <laughs> Ari, if you would be so kind. Thank you, sir. This particular article from the Washington Post titled, Americans are still better off with more in the bank than before the pandemic. Now, I will admit there are some contradictory statements here. Okay. So take a look grain of salt. I, I vetted this out. I'm not necessarily sure that all the data is accurate, but the point, nonetheless, is good. Okay. Okay. So. Despite a year when inflation pushed prices to new heights, Americans are still better off now than before the pandemic, with nearly 10 to 15 percent more in their bank accounts than in 2019. New checking and savings account data shows. All right. So 
10 to 15 percent more than they had in 2019. Okay. However, households are rapidly spending down that extra cash they'd socked away during the pandemic. Median account balances are at their lowest level in roughly three years mm-hmm. and have dropped as much as 41 percent from their peak in April of 2021 when Americans were flush with government stimulus money and tax returns, according to J.P. Morgan Chase Institute analysis of the bank accounts of 9 million Chase customers. We know that that's going to happen, right? We know credit card debt's at an all-time high. All-time high. When the Fed funds rate continues to go up, that means your minimum payments on your credit card debt's going to continue to go up. You have groceries, everything costing more and more, right? So, yeah, you're going to have to dip into your savings. So that is going to get flushed away pretty rapidly. When I say dip, you dip, we dip. We went there, huh? We did go there. I thought of it, you know? You did? Yeah, I did. I did. I was at a 1980s-themed arcade bar over the weekend in Oklahoma, and I got to tell you, I'm in full retro mode right now. Let me tell you, man, I just drove seven hours to San Francisco, Mm. and seven hours back, I've listened to every song in my playlist twice. So why don't you tell the kids uh, why you made that drive for seven hours to San Francisco? Oh, boy. So my wife and I, have a 7 a.m. flight at LAX. LAX mm-hmm. was roughly is roughly like 45 minutes away from the house. Mm-hmm. We get up super early. We head there. We're at LAX an hour and a half early. Since when is an hour and a half early not early enough? I can answer that question for you. When you yeah. do not have TSA pre-check or clear. Listen, this shit was out of control. I understand what you're saying, but I'm telling you, if you would have had those things, you would have made your flight. Oh, are you kidding me? I, I kept seeing people going with TSA pre-check. It was the most frustrating and aggravating thing we were there an hour and a half before i swear to god you would have thought there was a star wars ride at lax that people were waiting for this line was broken up into sections i had never seen anything like it Mm -hmm. i get there i kept asking you know do you think i'm gonna miss my flight i'm here an hour and a half no you're good don't worry you flew spirit didn't you no no we flew uh american airlines oh wow really yeah Tell tell me this we get all the way to the gate we're there 10 minutes before uh, the flight's supposed to take off. Oh, no. They close, they close the doors. Oh, forget that. They made us get on a shuttle to take us to another gate. Oh, you were in 52. Yes. Yeah. You heard about this? Yeah. You think, so when you go to the 52, there's an EF gate, which 52I, is... 52I, I think it was? Yeah. E through. Wait, so anything after A and B is in that separate terminal. You take the shuttle to that terminal, and there's a whole American airline like island out there. Yeah. So we get there. Clearly, we missed the flight. It's gone, right? <laughs> Airplane's gone. And uh, we asked the lady, we say, uh, can we reschedule for the next? The next flight leaves at 3 o'clock. It's already booked. We can put you on standby. And I said, if I left right now, I could get to San Francisco before that next flight. Did you? That's what I did. Sure enough, we got to San Francisco. Here's the problem, though. Our luggage made it on the flight. <laughs> it went on the plane. The wife and I, she was so positive. She made the trip. I was I was shocked. I was ready. I was thinking to myself, man, how am I going to manage this? She's probably so upset. We had our whole day planned out. We actually had a friend that was willing to take us to the Facebook campus and show us around. Like it was all like planned. And our whole day now is going to be spent driving. She was so positive. We didn't have the kids with us. So it felt like, oh, we could like spend some quality time together in the car, hang out. So it was really nice. Thanks to her because she was rosy and optimistic. But sure enough, we get to San Francisco airport by two o'clock, get our luggage. Then we went back to the hotel and just crashed because it was just too much. Yeah. Anyways, I did hear when that dip, you dip, we dip. Okay, very good. Good for you. Yeah. So I went this weekend on Saturday morning mm-hmm. to LAX. Different experience. 52E. Different experience. Different experience. I, um, I was upgraded to first class. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so wh- up. and you left your wife back? No, no, okay, my, oh, no, 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 no. You were upgraded to Don't first class. That is correct. <laughs> what about your wife? So, typically speaking, it's me and my companion that both get upgraded for free. Okay, me and my companion. Well, anybody I travel with, it's on my ticket. Yeah, got it. This happens to my wife. Okay. She, we, I went up to the gate and I was trying to like get this, like look into the waiting list situation, but the guy was giving me attitude and I was like, all right, I don't want to deal with it. 
The same guy was checking us in when we walked up to the gate. Literally, they called us to the gate. We're walking in, like, you know, section three because we're in the back. We're in, like, the extra space, but not, like, economy. Kind of right, like right. We're, like, the third group to come to board the plane. As I, he scans my ticket, he goes, oh, hey, uh, I mean, being to talk to you. And I'm like, this is the same guy I went up to earlier. To... Yeah. But like, yeah, what's up, man? He goes, uh, we've got your upgrade, but it's just you. My wife's like, you're taking it. I'm like, no, 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 I'm with you. She's like, no, no, you take it. And I'm like, no, 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 no. We get on the plane. My wife told him to give it to me. He gives it to me. I'm in first class. I'm in front, first row. I'm in tons of leg room, right? <laughs> She's she's tons in the back. There's nobody sitting next to her, so she's got tons of leg room. Uh -huh. I gave her all my food. So don't try to make I, it I, bad. I'm, 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 there's 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 <laughs> no good way to make this sound okay. <laughs> He's I so realize. <laughs> I, mean, I need to make sure we clarify that who exactly was upgraded. Damn, it's the truth though. It's, I don't want to lie about it. No, you have a caring wife that wants to make sure you're comfortable. That's all that is. That that's exactly what that was. That's all it is. Um. I'm just trying to make it. And it was, so it was a direct flight to Oklahoma City. Yeah. We were there for less than 24 hours. We flew into Oklahoma City, got lunch with my mom, then went to the house, saw the kids, and my nephews and nieces and my sister and my brother-in-law. Mm -hmm. All were together for a little bit. Went out to a nice dinner at this beautiful building in Oklahoma City, which was basically a converted old Chrysler building. Oh, okay. And they, that's where they sold all the cars. It was all brick, beautiful building, had a lot of history. Yeah. Steakhouse was in it, and they kept all the brick facade and everything, but it was all right. modern inside. It was very pretty. Wow. Went from there to a bar. My sister, the whole reason for this trip was to, number one, my mom's going to have surgery soon. I wanted to check on her. Number two, my, my brother-in-law's 40th birthday. My sister mm -hmm. had said, hey, I wish you guys could come to this bar. And I was like, I'm in. Right. Right? I didn't even look at the bar. We mm -hmm. walk in, and I was like, you know, eh, I don't really like, I'm not drinking that much, and I try to be, you know. Somewhat conscious of it. Are you texting during the show? No, I'm just Googling something. Jesus. Mm -hmm. No, no, no. For a false no, story. Jesus. No, you're not. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, I walk in and it's like an arcade, mm -hmm. but it's got a brewery in the middle. But it's not just any arcade. That's They're cool. all like 80s and 90s themes. I love that. There was a bar like this in Palm Springs that one night we went out to. Yeah. It was massive. And it was it was one of the like most fun I've ever had. This is a two level, two stories, but it wasn't like super packed because it wasn't directly near a college town. Mm -hmm. It was classy. It was clean. They served gourmet pizza in the back. So cool. They had everything from ski ball to Street Fighter. Right. And I whipped my wife's ass in Street Fighter for Have a while. To. Yeah, yeah I, had, I had the show yeah. us up. She was trying to play with dolls. I'm like, who does? What? <laughs> well, that's old. Come on. At least you picked Chun Li the second time. Ryu or Ken? Who you go with? First time I was Ryu. Second time I was Chun Li. Mm. I wanted to whoop her with her own girl. <laughs> you know, I like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, I want you to know that mental? I took your best and messed you up with it. Okay. Mental mind games. That's so good. Yeah, that place was dope, man. And we did an escape room the next day before I left, real quick, because they had a flight out before. I've yet to do one of those. I want to. I want to do one. I want to do one. Is it good for kids? So we had wait, my nephews and nieces with us. Mm -hmm. Eight, uh, ten, and twelve. Okay. Yeah, you know they had a good time. It was it was good. It was interesting. I, now I think if you were drunk and you did it with a bunch of adults, better. Way better, yeah. But I don't know that you guys let you drink while you do it. Uh, I think some probably do. I don't know. So the the hotel that my wife actually booked for us. So remember, we initially were supposed to stay downtown in the city. Yeah, back all. Yeah, back all. After all the recommendations and all the videos that everyone who listens to the show sent me said, this is a bad idea. You're going to get robbed. So we decided, she decided to change our plans. And we stayed at uh, Claremont Club and Spa. It was this really historic building. Did you get a massage? Uh, no, I wanted to get my wife a massage, but she didn't want to do it. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, we that building's like a hundred years old. Like President Gerald Ford had stayed there. I mean, had, had a lot of history. Anyways, apparently, everyone at this resort plays tennis. Okay, it, tennis was Club the talk. Spa, I guess, yeah, yeah, talk. They had literally maybe ten, fifteen tennis courts. All the kids there were playing tennis. All the adult, we we're the only two there not playing tennis, right? And then sure enough. I guess there was uh, Wimbledon was going on this weekend, so everyone was huddled around Everybody the TV. Was watching, yeah. yeah, Novak ended up losing, so apparently it was a big deal. I was like, okay, I guess I'm not. I mean, I mean, I used to be into tennis when Federer was around, but now not so much. My lack of knowledge of sports bleeds into a lack of knowledge of any of the names you just dropped as it relates to tennis. Really, I know who they are, but I've never actually seen any of them play. Uh, the beauty behind tennis, what happened over the last 10, 15 years, arguably the three greatest players of all time. All played in the same era. That's what made it so special. Yeah, I wouldn't, wouldn't know that. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. that's our <laughs> that's your sports reference. All right, Ari, I apologize for site boring you for so long. Go ahead and click that chart. Double click it. It's going to open up a window on your left. Drag that over to your right so we can see it. There you go. Mm. 
There's a chart. Consumers have more money in their bank account than in 2019. Now, this chart is very interesting. It's nuanced. Percentage change in median weekly checking and savings account balances relative to 2019. We were at our peak. Wow, look at that. So basically, this is telling you how much money has come down since 2019 to now. And you can see it looks like pretty much a straight 45-degree angle down to mm -hmm. 11% in 2023 after a massive spike in 2020. Up, up all the way up to, you know, call it a 65, 70% increase, pretty mm -hmm. high. So you've seen some some pretty significant savings, but this, the money is running out. Right. That is what this chart is telling you. There's a couple other charts from the article, which if you really care to look at, look at in your own time. Obviously, it'll always be linked in our show notes. This is from but JP Morgan. JP Morgan's data from the Washington Post, putting it in this format. Fascinating way to represent the data, especially with the relative 2009 uh, spin on it. But mm -hmm. it's clearly indicative consumers are running out of money. Yes. And it's only going to get worse given where the Fed funds rate is now and where it's going to continue to be at over the next year or so. Now, because I'm a petty motherfucker, <laughs> last year we were in our garage and Brian Moynihan said that the consumer was in good shape. Yeah, especially him coming from a consumer bank. A bank that, Bank of America, that right. likes to describe itself as a consumer bank. Right. I would point out, in 2021, <laughs> began the drop-off immediately <laughs> thereafter. <laughs> but look, look, last year when he said it, it was, it was coming down. It was coming down, yeah. So I don't know what data he was necessarily looking at. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was last year's data. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So it he was, was it was a little outdated. Yeah, he was like, you know what? I looked at that report from 2020. Mm -hmm. I feel like now's a good time to use it. So a couple episodes ago, I, I tried to bring up something that I mentioned several months ago. Now I went back and I brought up the stats. Okay. For everyone who's hoping that the Fed decides to pivot and start to cut rates. Okay. If we haven't learned by now, we gotta take Jerome Powell for his word. Okay. You need to start listening. That's so messed up though. What? Why does he get unilateral say on the economy? He's not getting unilateral. It's the whole FOMC. You just had the two minutes, really the... well-regarded economists, including a Nobel laureate, say that he should not be increasing interest rates. He should be looking at the data, and the data says okay. that we're not talking. I'm not, not necessary. I agree. I agree. He should not be increasing anymore for the time being, at least to the end of the year. See what happens. But let's just talk about holding rates, hmm. okay? I like when you talk about holding rates. <laughs> yeah, let's just hold the goddamn rate, Jerome. Fuck. So here's Older. the data. The last three times the Fed had, had to raise interest rates. Okay? In June of 2000, when they raised interest rates up to 6.5%, that lasted for seven months. Okay? In 2006 to 2007, when they raised it up to five and a quarter, that lasted for 14 months. Mm. They held it there for 14 months. And let's see here. In 2018, granted, Significantly less, but when they raised it to two and a quarter to two and a half percent, that lasted for eight months. Hmm. Okay. The average is roughly so what around. So, what Saeed is trying to tell you is you could get your wife pregnant now, <laughs> and she may deliver before rates are cut. That's a good point. God damn. Well, I figured umbilical cord, belly button references on the last show. I have to. This show has to be about babies. Has to be that, about that, babies. That, today, this week's baby references. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So the Fed funds rate is going to continue to stay this high. And whatever savings that the consumer has is going to continue to get depleted because, look, we could go into well, how much groceries was costing people based on the last CPI report. But your minimum payments on your credit card debt that's on an all-time high is, is going to go out the window. Let's not forget student loan payments are coming back on. That's, that's going to cause more problems. That savings you've seen up until now? Yeah is going to go to complete zero as soon couldn't as have that been, happens. Couldn't have been a worse timing. Could not have been a worse timing for student loan payments to, you know, start up again. You know, if anything, it should have started up a little while back. Well, it could have been a worse timing for the consumer. But if you happen to be the co-host of the number one financial literacy podcast in the world <laughs> who was calling concerns like this as much as two years ago, mm then it could be ideal for our particular position, which I admit is selfish. We just, we, we call it how it is. I just wanted That's to it. say 
Saeed told you so. <laughs> <laughs> it was you, though. It was you. you it, was us. It. it was us. It was a royal you, you called I was hoping that it was going to go through for the student loan borrowers because it was going to help about 90% of the people. So, but I'm going to name some people in that 10% that it's certainly not going to be a problem for. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Let's do it. From an LA Times article, or if you can <laughs> scroll down a little bit there, this stunned me. Don't look at the screen. Look at me. I didn't. Did I, you look at this? No, I didn't because I wanted right. to get my live reaction. Okay. No, no, no look at me. Don't look uh, at the screen. Okay. Look at me. All right. In the sockets. In the okay? sockets. All right. Bob Iger, mm. Walt Disney Company. Just re just re-upped again, right? Just re-upped again. Okay. He makes eighty-one million dollars. I'm actually rounding down. $81.9 million uh, between 2020, 2021, and 2022 as a chief executive officer of Walt Disney. Yeah. I mean, I'm gonna, ready? We got, we got, this is a game. We're going to play a game here, baby. Okay. So he made 80 over the span of three years. Same three years. Ted. Sarandos, S-A-R-A-N-D-O-S. Netflix's chief executive officer. Did he make more or less? Go. Less. Bob Iger. Fucking Disney, right? Sh should be making less. Ted from Netflix, their CEO, during the same time period, 2020, 2021, and 2022, made $127.8 million. Why? Because life is not fair. <laughs> All right, let's play it again. Reed Hastings. Netflix's executive chairman. Netflix. Same I company, guess. chairman, not CEO. Made more or less than Bob Iger. I mean, given, given the fact that you're asking me, it's definitely more. Am I? Yeah, it's more. $134.5 million. Why? You look so angry right now. Why? They raised my subscription fee for what? <laughs> I know exactly for what. <laughs> David Zaslav, Warner Brothers. Discovery Inc. Chief Executive Officer, same time period. How much money did he make, Said? I'm assuming more than Bob Iger. Just throw out a number. <laughs> Fucking impress me. $150 million? $323.5 million. Who the fuck is this guy? Somebody who's making a whole hell of a lot more money than you, than me, than all of our listeners combined. And us. Man. Okay. And I, I did see the part that you had on after this. So this had to have led to some of the strikes. It, this has a lot to do with strikes. So in May, the Times reviewed executive compensation at 10 publicly held media and entertainment companies. One of the key issues motivating the Writers Guild of America strike, executive compensation has also been a key point of debate in the SAG after strike. Mm. Total pay for top Hollywood ex executives soared during the height of the pandemic, to $1.43 billion in 2021, up 50% from 2018. Makes sense, though. According to a Times analysis of data compiled by the research mm. firm Equilar Inc., I believe. I mean, I don't think that they yeah. should have gotten paid more. Look, at the end of the day, they're benefiting on the pandemic where people were forced to stay in. They didn't, they didn't have, they couldn't go anywhere to go out. They couldn't spend out on restaurants or entertainment. What they do, they just started subscribing to anything and everything. I know, man, but damn. Damn. $323 million. I thought Bob Iger was paid like, a, like an NBA star, but damn. David Zaslav out here crushing. Well, let me get, I want to get your thoughts on this. So this is a bad look when you start to compare that. Obviously, I don't necessarily understand um, the writer's strike as much as probably want to to even get into that but when it comes to like the layoffs that they've had mm. and these guys are getting paid that much what are your well keep in mind they haven't had these layoffs until just recently just so recently the argument is don't pay them as much you got an extra 100 million dollars so yeah how, how do come i mean keep in mind this includes stock compensation and most of their pay is stock right so it's not like the company is giving them cash that they retained right they're giving them equity which they had anyway i mean because there were a lot of ceos out there that were taking less pay to retain some of their staff right? yeah but that's during the year I, i'm pretty sure most of these companies didn't have any layoffs yeah no no not back then yeah i, th right. I think most of them you know 
2023, maybe. Their, their compensation has gone down pretty dramatically in most cases. But here's what I'll say. CEOs generally are paid way more. Is mm-hmm. it fair? No. Mm-mm. Can you compare most CEOs in America to Bob Iger or Reed Hastings? No. Shouldn't. Do I think Bob Iger and Reed Hastings and these guys are paid way, way too much? Yes. <laughs> yes. yes, I do. Yes. Do I think that they should be paid a lot for what they do? Yeah. It's mm-hmm. a hard job. A lot of stress. Publicly, you know, publicly traded institutions, there's a lot, a lot they have to do, and the decision-making is very, very difficult. I'm not taking that away from them. But can you know, one of these guys survive on $50 million a year? Yeah. Or no, that, of course, we know. But, I mean, how do these things take few people back behind the curtain? How do these things even get negotiated? Man, so typically speaking, an executive's like, compensation has to do with the sector, similar-situated executive's compensation. Right. You take a survey? Yeah, well, they, they do like a, basically a market analysis, similar situated executives, what do they get paid, similar mm-hmm. size companies in the sector. Mm-hmm. So it's not just like you're like other media companies, other media companies are the same size and, and grasp. Right. They do compensation studies. The, that compensation committee of the board does issues it usually with an outside consultant. They come back, they have a spread, they negotiate the salary with the individual coming in. Mm-hmm. When they negotiate the salary, it depends on how badly the, you know, they want this person, if they feel like you, she, or they are qualified for the job. And it can be a back and forth. And they usually have a range which they're trying to target. But keep in mind, so much of their salary is usually a much, much smaller base salary mm-hmm. relative to the overall total compensation. And their performance of the company is what drives these big numbers. That's, so that's what I was going to ask it's you. It's usually based off the performance of the company and then an equivalent. Right. So there's all like, I think of it like my useless NBA sports knowledge, mm-hmm. right? There's all these clauses where like if you make first team all NBA or if you make the defensive team. So if like, Someone Such over at useless space. So, so someone over at Netflix. If we hit these metrics, they get paid extra bonuses. Yeah, so they have target metrics. So, in keep in mind, no matter what com- what company or sector you're in, mm-hmm. the compensation committee of the board, if you're publicly traded, will usually negotiate a contract with you. And the the general logic is, you don't want to cap the CEO's salary at a certain dollar amount if they hit all their target metrics. Then then there's no motivation for them to keep pushing. Right. Mm. If this CEO got halfway through the year, they've already had all the earnings they need and there's no losses visible. They can just go on vacation for the rest of the year and they're going to make their money. Right. So the idea is that you want somebody who's a fiduciary and the best way to motivate a fiduciary is to make it in their own best interest to give the shareholders the best possible return. Mm-hmm. So as simple as that sounds, money is the motivator to do that. Right. We're going right. to pay you, Reed Hastings, a whole hell of a lot more money if the company performs and hits these certain target metrics. Man. And it, it's egregious sounding. I, I agree. You know, it, I'm envious, I'm appalled, I'm all sorts of different things. But, you know, can these people, could, could anyone these people survive off of $25 million a year, $75 million in total, and be just as fine? Yeah, they would. Mm-hmm. Does anybody in America really need 300 something million dollars over the course of three years? No, they right. don't. But that's, that's the business. And like I've said many, many times on the show, people spend so much time being offended and saying this isn't right, that they don't just sit back and say, okay, I'm not going to change the rules of the game. I'm going to learn how to play it within the confines of the game. Mm-hmm. These are the rules of the game. Right. So I've left a good amount of time at the end of this particular show. So we can talk about reviews, one of which I think is going to be uh, noteworthy. And uh, we'll probably have a longer conversation about it. All right. The other one, we're just going to say that guy's fucking awesome. It's <laughs> fucking awesome. So I'm going to go ahead and bring it up here. Bring up the first one that we think is, is, is stellar, and then we'll end the show on a prolonged conversation about the second one, because I think everybody who listens to the show should know our perspective on it. I, and, I, and, I debated whether or not we should and really I mean, address it. And maybe that one, it's unfortunate that Odin's not here to also chime in. It is, but yeah, you know, okay. 101 degree temperature, you should be at home. It is what it is. Okay, first one from Sean GS21. Very addictive. Captioned five stars. I've always thought you were like mental cocaine. Honestly, yeah. I get where he's coming. Yeah, from. you are heroin. <laughs> Why do I gotta be the one that messes up your teeth? <laughs> Can I be like a different one? Wait, what? Heroin, heroin jacks Don't, up teeth, wasn't it? Well, they're shooting it through their veins. How does it mess up their teeth? All right, let me get oh, some. Is that meth? <laughs> meth is the one that messes up your teeth. Please don't Google that on our computer. <laughs> like, don't do it. Yeah. My last thing I need is the FBI saying, You were trying to figure out what drug messes up your teeth? <laughs> All right. Every week, I look forward to what feels like a conversation with close friends. 
mean, we are his friend. Yeah. Not you and me. Yeah. I am his friend. You are his friend. Got it. Got it. You're just right. in the room with me. There you go. Yeah. The information and opinions they bring to the conversation is based on the experience and what is current with the economy, and it's entertaining to listen to. Dot dot dot. This is it. Save this show. Listen to every episode moving forward and level up your financial literacy. I'm assuming this means gang gang. I don't know. Oh, is it the hang loose sign? Oh, that's what it means? Yeah, you're not supposed to shake the chakra, by the way. You just drop oh. it. You don't shake. Bam. There you go. Yeah. So, Sean, we appreciate you. We do. We appreciate you greatly. Thank you for being honest. Honestly, that review really, really made my day, particularly because it followed the one that he's going to read now. Mm. Mr. D. Neil 72. Don't Listen, be mean. Not mean. I appreciate you, D. Neil, for leaving too. a review, for taking the time to leave the review. But three stars? Let's just remind everybody, we're not getting paid for this. No. We do it for the reviews. And it is approximately 1043. We were away from our family site, drove all day long, didn't see his kids. Just I haven't to seen my kids in four back. days. And he came to the show anyway to record. Came to the show anyways. You know, it was tough. I got some of the best hugs I've ever gotten, but I decided to make a commitment. I'm going to do the show for the reviews. And this one hurt my feelings. D. Neil needs to hear about it. Okay, well, tell him how you feel. And then I will explain. I will elaborate. I will provide some color. Caption, great content. Thank you. Okay. Thank you for noticing the great content. Yeah. Love the content. I previously worked at EH. I, don't I didn't know what EH was. I don't know what EH was. Um, I'm assuming it's a reputable company. I mean, if you're going to cite it, right? I tried to think about it. I probably should have Googled it, but I didn't, yeah. I didn't do that. I previously yeah. worked at EH and love listening to your show. The banter between the two hosts is hilarious. To be honest, though, I am against bullying and harassment. So for Chris to be laying it on pretty thick, I had to dock off some stars on my review. At first, I thought that he was jumping in the insulting by saying I was laying it on thick. You're laying it on thick because you are thick. Yeah, I'm very, I'm beefy. Beefy, yeah. But then I realized he was being serious. And then I thought, you know what? So I, I talked to a very prominent social media personality that I was like, hey, what would you, what would you dress this? And he was like, absolutely not. No. I would just push on through the show. But he's like, I do agree that some of the stuff you say in the show kind of causes me concern. And I, I talked it through with him. Mm. And he was playing you know, devil's advocate for Dean Neal. And I said, okay, so you're telling me that you find it offensive. And he's like, well, I know you guys. So I'm not offended because I know that that's the way that you guys have fun like that. Mm -hmm. Then I thought to myself, the irony here is I was probably more bullied than any one of you. Yeah. Growing up. <laughs> yeah. And um, I still am to this day. Look, oh, there's more to the review and then we're going to dive into this. I don't yeah. want you to hold that thought. For someone who is middle-aged and doesn't have a six-pack. That's actually not true. I do have a six-pack. <laughs> yeah. A beer. Behind layers. I'm surprised Chris is constantly referring to his co-host as fat. Besides, the constant jabs and bullying, I love the information and disinformation shared. Well, thank you. Yeah, well, thank you for that. But listen, 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 listen. Chris and I have been friends for 20 years. Maybe a little longer. Yeah. Maybe, maybe a little bit longer. Trust me, if we had an issue with it, it would be discussed off the air and it wouldn't be had. Oh, 100%. No, it, it wouldn't be. But what I would say is that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go here and, and I apologize if it offends anybody. I know that woke culture is important because people want to feel recognized for their opinions. Right. I know that there is a concern and a fear of treating people right and equitable. Mm -hmm. We are all about treating people the right way. We would never talk about somebody we don't know like this. That's not true. You've made some shots on the show about some, some economists. Hold on. Why, no, what did I'm, I say just, about them? I never said and made any references to how they look. You referred to Noriel Rabini as a pimp. <laughs> no, I'm not. And I don't know if that was like the colloquial nice sense or have, like the derogatory sense. I have sense. not. I took a colloquial. Which episode? Nice. Huh? Which episode? <laughs> That's what I thought. <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, look, look, I, I, I get, I get the concern for room. But what we were trying to do originally was to motivate him, and, and believe it or not, as his friend for over twenty years. I don't know if they're talking about Arun or they're talking about me. I think it was Arun. I think he said Arun. No, he didn't say Arun. You didn't say your host, your co-host. Oh. Oh. Well, I mean, it, it remains to be seen. We don't know, but regardless of it, whether it's me or Arun, it doesn't matter. The middle-aged part hurt the most because that was factually correct. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we, we understand, but I do believe, and I'm a firm believer, that some of the woke culture has gone a little out of hand. And if we can scale it back a little bit to show people, 
look, man, you can still make some of these references and have a good time. Never take yourself too seriously. Because if you do, then, I mean, you can't, or you can't have any fun. Yeah, and that's the thing is, is I know that the show will offend some people because we do tend to get <sighs> mind pumping in Adam and those guys and Sal. They kind of warned us, like, if you want mainstream, you know, acceptance. Yeah. You're going to have to conform to mainstream as much as I listened to their show in the early days. It has pivoted a lot where they don't really talk about a lot of things they used to talk about. Right. And they're not joking around and fucking around and having a good time. Right. And they kind of told us that that would be necessary on some point to avoid concerns like our friend D. Neal here. Had. Right. And I, I guess my, my initial reaction was he hasn't listened to the show long enough to know that like, we've tried to motivate one another to work out. Yes, we, we. I know that you're not working out as much as you want to. Right. So I give you shit because I want to find a way to get in there and like motivate you. And, and this is something that we've always done. Yeah. Oh, I mean, even when we were in incredible shape. Right. You exactly. Know? But another thing, if you want to come to my defenses, or come to Odun's defenses, or come to Chris's defenses, do it with a five star review. Leave a five star <laughs> review, and they criticize. You know, we're still rating the five yeah. podcast. I know right? it's fine. Like, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. So, but here's 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 kind of like my conclusory thought on the whole matter. I respect how he feels. I respect the sentiment in, in protecting people, and maybe maybe the fat jokes have gone a little too far. Yeah. So I'll you know whatever. And for what it's worth, I apologize to anybody who's ever listened to the show and been offended. But the more I thought about it, the more I thought we have thousands of downloads an episode, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Or around there. Yeah. And on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis, with all the reviews that we have, um, probably approaching five or six hundred now, depending on all, combining all the platforms. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say there's only been two comments that have ever been concerned, Dean Neal being one of them. Right. I think there's one other person who, who was concerned about similar situations and language. Right. That's not a high ratio of offended behavior. No, no. Yeah, I get it. So I don't know that we pivot at some point to be clean the show up and try to be cheeky and fun, but leave some of the, I guess, more sensationalized commentary aside, or, or we continue down the path that we do. But we are willing to try new things, and we are willing to be somewhat receptive to people's feedback. but. I think uh, at this point in time, my Look, I can see I can see a world where someone might say, "Okay, you guys are okay with it," but somebody listening to the show might feel like it's okay to then turn around and do that to somebody else, and that there's like the snowball effect. But yeah, the other instance this happened: somebody who hadn't listened to the show really in in any length of time, we knew them personally, mm-hmm. came to Arun and said, "Hey, like I I hate the way they talk to you." And Arun's like, "Why? I, I don't care. We're having a good time." Yeah, we're having a good time. We're really close friends. It doesn't bother me. Yeah, and it's like and. Candidly, it's like, okay, well, just because you're offended doesn't mean that I should be offended and it's me he's talking to. Right, exactly. And that, that, that was an interesting way to look at it. This is the first time somebody who wasn't, you know, somebody that we knew made a comment like that. And I just, I wanted to acknowledge it and say, look, like, I respect their opinion. I hear what they're saying. Yeah, I got mixed feelings about it, but I hear them. Yeah. Taking the high road. No, it's not really the high road. I mean, as much as I, I think I was bothered by it initially, the more I thought about it. And I'll tell you this much. My son right now is going through being bullied at school. No. Yeah, by I, his by his like best friend in school. No. And it's I thought that was the case. And the more I've talked to my son, the more I think my son may be the issue. Oh. So I'm like, hey, like, you know, why does he not want to play with you? Like, what's going on? And it sounds like my son wants things his way and his way only. Uh and uh we bought all these books on like bullying and stuff like that because you know he's been having trouble with like some friends. And the more we've talked to him, the more we've realized, okay, this may be Carter, my son. Mm-hmm. Wanting the whole world to cater to him because all the kids that he's playing with all have siblings and they're used to compromising. Yeah. And my son is not. Right. Well, we had the same issue with my son. Mm -hmm. He has a sibling. And it's not that he wants things his way. When he gets around a bunch of other kids, he likes to to create games. And Adam always likes to be the person that creates the rules. My brother. My son. My brother. Sorry. Sorry, bro. Uh, (laughs) my, my, My son. Same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And up until this past year, he had an amazing first grade teacher that... We feel so lucky to have really helped him find his niche. And she would tell us, like, I never told him to stop doing it because I think this is an amazing trait for him to carry on later in life. Leadership. He just, he just needs to learn to channel it. Yeah. And the fact that she even had that perspective, I thought was, I was like, I love you for that. Thank you. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I think we can end the show there. Uh, Aria, you've been a wonderful Arun substitute. Mm hmm. 
Uh, and your your uh, camera working was uh, not so bad. You you switched the hell out of those cameras in the beginning, though. You were going <laughs> hyperactive. We appreciate you, man. Thank you very much. Anytime, anytime. Uh, oh, and if you're watching this on YouTube, before we say goodbye, we brought the cameras in a little closer. We're trying to test a little different angle. We were giving a lot of crotch on the previous shots, and uh, <laughs> both um, both side and I felt a little uncomfortable with um, that proximity in the in the view. It's too much. Too much of a good thing is a bad thing. I mean. You, right, right. So we decided we would bring the cameras in a little closer, uh, you know, tighter, if you will. This also hides my lower thirds, which is the <laughs> middle-aged, overweight portion <laughs> of my body. <laughs> so uh, if you like it, please feel free to comment, let us know. And if you haven't seen the video, go check it out. And uh, yeah, give us your thoughts. Higher Standard Podcast over on YouTube. Anything else? That's it. Good night, everybody. Bye. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on the Higher Standard Podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you are listening to this on. If you like this episode, please write a review and share it with us. You're getting the show up and running right now, so every message, every review, and every note counts. This show exists to showcase what's possible when leaders decide to uphold a higher standard for their businesses, their investments, their families, and most importantly, themselves. If you want to see more of my content, I post daily on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. So be sure to follow me on your favorite social media platform. And with that, it is a wrap. And as always, I look forward to hanging with you all on the next episode.